0: If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it to Colossians chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning, continuing in our Who is Jesus series. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in a chair rack, either under you or in front of you or behind you, not far from where you are. And if you use one of the Bibles in your chair rack, uh, I think it's about page 983 that Paul's letter to the church at Colossae is, Colossians chapter 1. And we'll be there in just a few minutes, or just click over in your phone and Join us there in just a few minutes, we'll get there. In 2018, June of 2018, a horse named Justify crossed the finish line of the Belmont Stakes prior and before any other horse crossed the finish line which is significant in itself, but it's even more significant because Justify had also crossed the finish line of the Preakness a few weeks before and the Kentucky Derby a few weeks before that, before any other horse, making it only the 13th horse ever to win the Triple Crown which is significant. However, this past week, some of the news stories that came out about Justify is that apparently Justify, prior to the Kentucky Derby, had flunked a drug test. And thus the questions begin, is it justified that Justify is a Kentucky Derby Preakness, Belmont Stakes, and Triple Crown winner? And the conversations go on of whether the horse deserved first place. More recent than that, just a couple weeks ago at a triathlon in Tokyo, there were uh, two women that crossed the finish line before anyone else and uh, as they were finishing the race in a show of friendship and in a show of camaraderie, they took each other's hands, raised each other's hands and crossed the finish line together. And, uh, but the problem was those who were judging the race didn't know who was the winner. And so they went to a little known rule in triathlon competition, which says you must compete until the end and you cannot contrive a tie finish. And both runners were disqualified and the third place runner then became the first place finisher. And the question becomes who actually was in first place? Sports, these discussions go on all the time. Who's the best? Who's first, right? Baseball, it happens, uh, I remember a number of years ago, Barry Bonds broke the home run record, right? I already see some eyes rolling, right? Is he really the home run leader or not? He was in the steroids era. He used things that uh, were banned substances. So is he first on the list or is he not? Happens in baseball. Happens in football when you get these deflated... Actually, it doesn't happen in football. I've never heard of it happening in football, so forget football. There's all these conversations. Who's the best? Who's the GOAT? Who's the first? Who's in first place, right? Who's in first and do they deserve it? Who's in first and do they deserve it? I want to talk to you this morning about that question, but not about sports. I want to talk about your life who's in first place, what's in first place in your life, and do they deserve it? Last week when uh, he was praying for the offering, James was up here, and he made a statement that stuck with me, and I've been thinking about it all week as I've been thinking about this message. He made this statement when he was uh, receiving the offering. He said, the question is not, will you worship? The question is simply, what will you worship? We all worship something. You're all, all of us at some, some point in our life, we worship something. There's something in our life that's going to have first place. There's something in our life that's going to be more important than anything else. There's something in your life that's going to get most of your time, most of your energy, most of your attention. It's going to be in first place. We all worship. The only question is, what will we worship? something in your life and my life that's going to get first place? How do you know what's in first place in your life? I mean, there may be some simple ways to look at it. What is it in your calendar that never gets moved no matter what? What is it that when someone comes to you and says, hey, let's get together for coffee, and you open up your app, and you put down the day, and there's something there, and you say, no, I can't do it then because I never move this. What is it that that might be what has first place in your life? What is it when you flip through your bank balance and you look at where most your money goes, where most your energy goes? Sometimes that can tell us what's in first place. I don't know what it is for you. I just know it's something. There's always something or someone that has got first place in our lives. For For some of us, it's people or relationships. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe it's your spouse a child or a parent. Or or maybe it's you're not married, but you have the dream of one day being married, and that's got first place in your life. And you will give up anything. You just got to get there. God, I just want to be married. And you just have that dream, and you will sacrifice everything to get there. Or maybe it's just one day you just want to be parents. And everything, that's where it's got first place in your life. That's ultimately important. Sometimes we make people first place in our lives. Sometimes it's not people, sometimes it's positions in life. If I can just get that job, that next level in the company, if I can just achieve this thing, everything will be perfect. If I can just reach that next rung on the ladder, if I get that next job, if I get that position, everything will be perfect. But maybe not people, maybe not positions, sometimes possessions. Always wanted that car and if I could just get that car. If I could just get that new Mercedes, if I could just get that new Tesla, if I could just get that new car, everything. Wouldn't life be perfect? Or I could just get that house in that town, in that neighborhood, in that school district, everything will be fine. I don't know what it is for you. I just know something's in first place because something's always in first place. Something always gets our attention. So I want us to consider the question this morning of what's in first place in your life, and does it deserve to be in first place in your life? In Colossians that we're looking at this morning, Paul makes an amazing and a bold statement about what's in first place, and we're going to look at it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We're spending a few weeks in September, early October, considering this question, who is Jesus? And in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 he writes this, he is the image, he being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We looked at the statement last week and we said the front of that statement says he is the image of the invisible God and what that means is Jesus is God and if you want to see what God looks like then all you have to do is look at Jesus And so the first part of that verse says, just if you want to see God, look at Jesus and you see what God looks like. But this morning, I want to look at the second part of that verse. And the second part of that verse says, he is the firstborn over all creation. He is first. He is priority. He's above all. Let me tell you what that verse, first of all, what it doesn't mean. Some people and some groups over history have taken that verse to say that this says that Jesus is part of the created order. That Jesus was created. He's not creator, he's not God, he's been created because he's firstborn. But that's not what this means at all. You can look at just the rest of this verse, which uh, next couple of verses, which we will in a minute, or all of scripture that clearly shows that Jesus is not part of the created order, uh, that Jesus was before it all. In fact, groups that will try and tell you he's part of the created order have to insert words into this passage to try and make it work. What firstborn means in that patriarchal culture that passed everything down through the firstborn of a family means that he is in the position of power and priority, just like a firstborn son was in that family, in that culture. Your firstborn son received the greatest inheritance, received, a, received the uh, position of authority in the family. And Paul says Jesus is the firstborn, not of a family, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Everything that you see and don't see, everything around us, Jesus is first above all. And so if you and I are a part of the created order, and we are, what Paul is saying is he ought to be first in your life too that of all the things that you could put first in your life, the one thing that is first in creation and should be first in your life and my life is Jesus. That's what Paul's arguing. But the second question is, well, yeah, Paul, okay, you can say that, but does he deserve it? Why would you say that? Does he deserve first place? And I just want to look quickly at the next few verses where Paul gives three reasons why Jesus deserves to be first, not only in creation, but first in your life and first in my life. Paul weighs it out in the next few verses. He says this. So verse 15 says he's the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created. So the first thing Paul says is he is first because he's created everything that you see. Everything around you. And he didn't need any help to do it. And you say if you're you know, you've been a Christian a while and maybe you've uh, astute and studied the scriptures, you say, wait a second, I read Genesis and it says, mm-hmm. God the Father, God spoke and creation came to be. In Christianity, we believe in a triune God, that God has revealed himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, all eternally present, all eternally living, all part of the creative process. Such that in Genesis chapter two and three, when humanity was created, God said, let us, the triune God that exists in holy relationship and eternity, make God. Let us make man in our image. Who's our? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And God the Son was existent and part of the created uh, order from the very beginning in everything we see around us. Paul says he's first because he created everything and he didn't need any help. You know, sometimes when we say we make something, we don't really mean we made something. I went over someone's house one time and I saw this beautiful shed in the backyard. And it was a beautiful shed. It was a big shed. It was like I had man envy about this shed. He had his tools in it. He had his wood shop in it. And I thought, man, this is a great shed. He said, yeah, I built that shed when we moved in the house. And I thought, I knew you were a talent. You built this shed? I was like, I knew you had some skills, but this is impressive, and we started talking a little more, and it became apparent that what he meant was I had this shed built, that I had designed it, paid for it, I built the shed, and we do that sometimes, right? You talk to someone who built their own house. It's says, yeah, we built our own house. Now, you don't for a second think that they got hammers and nails and went to the Home Depot and came out and built their house. And even if they did, you don't think they grew the trees, milled the wood, smelted down the metal for the nails, and built their own house. And even if they did, you don't think that they created the photosynthetic process that grew the trees. Like, we always need help at some level. What Paul is saying about Jesus is it's not like that. He made it all and didn't need any help. He created the whole process, everything seen and unseen, everything you can touch, every beauty, everything you look at. Jesus made it all. And he didn't need any help. And so because of that, Jesus is the firstborn among all creation. He's made it all. And so that's why he deserves to be first place. But he goes on. He says there's a second reason why Jesus deserves to be first place. All things were created through him at the end of verse 17, and also all things were created for him. All things were created for him. The only reason anything you see around you exists is because God wanted it to, because it's been created for his pleasure. He wanted it to. The only reason we see the the nature and creation around us, the only reason we have this this planet orbiting around this sun in this this galaxy, in the universe of billions of stars and suns, the only reason we're here is because God wanted it to. And he chose. And he created it for himself. And he created it for his own pleasure because he wanted it. And you can hear that. You can say, well, isn't that selfish of God that it's all for him? It's not for me. It's all for him. It is all for him. But here's the amazing thing about God. It's all for God, but God is for you. God is for you. He, wa- he created you and he wants you to flourish and he wants to be in relationship with you and he wants you to know him and he visited this planet and came here as God the Son, so that you could see and know him and you and I could see what God is like. It's all for him, but the amazing thing is this God who it's all been created for is for you and for me. He loves you, and he came to this planet to prove to you and to show you the extent of his love through his son, Jesus Christ. It's all for him, but he's for you. Paul says, because it's all for him, he should be first. He's the firstborn among all creation. there's a third reason he gives. It's by him, it's for him, and then look at verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is before all things. I'm not going to sit on that point too much, but I will tell you that there are groups uh, that, that the ones that try and say that Jesus is part of the created order, they try and insert the word other in there. He is before all other things. Um, It's not there um, to try and fit this theology that Jesus was created. But he wasn't. He's God. He's existed from eternity. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Paul says the reason Jesus can be first and the reason he's the firstborn over creation because he holds it all together. He holds it all together. Do you ever pull something out and not realize which one can I get? and not realize how much was dependent on it? Did you ever pull one little thing out and everything else kind of falls apart? How many of you played this game, right? How many can I pull out before it falls, right? Pull them out. I'm gonna, uh, I told the ushers it's going to be a test for them today to bring it on and off the stage. And if they can't do it, they can't be an usher anymore. But then, <laughs> but then Ron told me we'd have no more ushers. So we will going to have to... Pull something out and realize, not realize how much is holding together. Happens, right? You don't realize always the significance of something, even something that you don't even notice. I was, this summer, I was installing a shower valve and I was replacing the shower valve. I'm not a plumber, by the way, but I'm replacing a shower valve and I take the thing apart and I go and buy the part and I'm going to put it back together and I put the shower valve back in and I screw all these screws back in and I put it back together just the way I I took it apart, and then I'm looking at directions, and they say there's this one little pin clip that you post. I mean, it's a two-cent piece of metal. You wouldn't notice it if it was sitting on the carpet in front of you. It's a tiny little piece of metal, and I didn't have it, couldn't find it, lost it. It didn't come with the part, but I said, I got screws in there. I've got it bolted in. I've got the plate on there. There's no way this little two-cent piece of metal can make any difference whatsoever in this shower valve. And you know I was wrong, right? So I go and turn the water back on. I'm like, all right, all set. Go up to the faucet, turn the water on. Water squirts everywhere, soaks everything. I go to the hardware store. They charge me five bucks for this two cent piece of metal. I stick this little clip on and it works perfectly. And you don't realize sometimes how a little thing is holding everything else together. We're always looking for things that hold everything together. I think a lot of people in our world take notice when something seems to hold everything else together. This happened, I think, in the last month or so. Have you heard about uh, the fires in the Amazon forest? Right? The fi- yeah, I haven't heard about much in, about in the week, last week or two last few weeks, but a few weeks ago, about a month ago, heard, oh, that's all I heard about on the news, So the fires in the Amazon forest. Time magazine ran a cover article about the forest, and the earth's lungs are on fire, and celebrities are tweeting about it, and in Instagram posts, and what are we going to do? Because we think we've discovered something that holds everything together, and if there's a problem with this, everything's going to fall apart, because the article said that the Amazon forest supplies 20% of the earth's oxygen, So we can't let the forest burn because it holds us all together. If there's no forest, there's no us. And so we're all on board. The only problem is some scientists came out and said, that's just not true. The Amazon forests don't supply 20% of the earth's oxygen. In fact, if they supply any, it's negligible and probably even a draw on the earth's oxygen. And all of a sudden, no one's tweeting about it. No one's talking about it anymore because I guess that's not what holds everything together. Apparently, you would miss Amazon.com more than you miss the Amazon rainforests. But we all look at things and think, what holds it all together? And here's what Paul says. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God's word says. The reason that Jesus is the firstborn and the most important and deserves to be first in your life is because he holds it all together. He holds all of creation together. He's what's sustaining it. He's what's keeping it together. But here's what I don't think is too far of a stretch. It's not just that Jesus holds all of creation together. Jesus is able to hold your life together. And Jesus is able to allow you to hold it together in this world. How do you hold the brokenness and the beauty of this world together? It's not easy. In fact most of us can't do it for very long in fact most of us can't stare at the brokenness of this world very long you're on your couch you're comfortable you're watching your big tv you've got your snack bowl beside you and a commercial comes on asking you to sponsor children on the other side of the world who are starving and you have to look away or you flip the channel for all kinds of reasons, but I think for one reason is because we have a hard time holding that brokenness beside the beauty or the comfort that you may have in your life and my life. We have a hard time holding brokenness and beauty together. And yet Jesus, I think, allows us, not because he makes the brokenness okay, but because he makes a way and is making a way for the brokenness to be healed, because he made it all, and he can remake it all. I remember going to Swaziland in 2007 on a missions trip, and when I went, I expected to see the brokenness of the world. And it's the, at that point, it was the nation in Africa that had the highest percentage of orphans living there. Uh, The AIDS pandemic had decimated an entire generation. And I expected to see the brokenness, and I did. I saw kids living in junkyards and finding food in dumps and all kinds of stuff. What I didn't expect was the beauty. What I didn't expect is to get off the bus I don't know why I didn't expect it, but I was so focused on the brokenness that I didn't realize that Swaziland, Eswati now, is a beautiful country. And there's mountains, and there's green fields, and then there's this beautiful mountainside and a dingy dump where kids are scavenging for food beside it. And how do you hold beauty and brokenness In the same world. Most of us can't do it, and a lot of people, in fact, to be fair, will walk away from God because of this. If there's this much brokenness in the world, there can't be a God, or either he doesn't care, or he's not able, he's not interested, or he just doesn't exist. A lot of people will throw out God because they can't handle, they can't. How can there be this much brokenness in the world? They very rarely will ask themselves the question, how can there be any beauty in the world without God. Because that's just as legitimate of a question. How is not everything broken? Jesus holds all things together. He holds a world together where there's beauty because he created it, put man and woman in a garden, gave them everything that they needed, and man and woman and humanity brought brokenness into God's world. And yet, God did not give up on his world. God chose to send his son to come to this world so that we might have a relationship with him still. Brokenness and beauty together, Jesus is able to hold that together, not because he's okay with it, not because he's not doing anything about it, but because he's in the process of renewing it. And that's what started with Jesus coming to earth, this renewing of all creation, the fact that he makes all things new and that one day there will be a complete new heaven and earth that through Jesus, all things are made new. And that's what I want. And I don't want man's solutions. I want the manufacturer to fix it. I don't want aftermarket parts. And that's what God's saying, that he is above all. He made it all. It's all by him. It's all for him. And it's all held together in him. The question is then, what's first in your life? And does it deserve to be there. Paul says that what ought to be first is Jesus Christ. And the reason is because everything you see around you is by him. Everything is for him and everything is held together in him. Whatever you have in first place in your life, can it do that? Can it hold all, does it hold those things together? Can it answer the big questions in life? See, Jesus is the answer to life's biggest questions. And here's some of the biggest questions in life that you will face at times. Go back to those first slides, John, with all the second. Yeah, who's in charge? Where is it all from? What's it all for? And how is it all connected? These are questions These are the big questions of life. And whatever's in first place in your life, whether it be a person or a philosophy or a religion or a possession or a position, what Paul's saying is the reason he says Jesus is first is because he answers all these big questions in life. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're a seeker or someone just invited you, I think you came on a great day because here's the answer to why followers of Jesus act the way they do. Here's the reason that followers of Jesus would make so much of Jesus. Here's the reason why we gather. Here's the reason why we give. Here's the reason why we go. Here's the reason why Mike and Eve Brooks would leave a comfortable career in the Air Force to go fly little puddle jumpers Off East Africa and Indonesia to bring the gospel there. Why would you do that? Because Jesus is first, and because it's all by him, for him, and held together in him. Here's the reason why a group of people would sit here and willingly live below their means so that they can give beyond all limits, so that they can see the gospel go out, not just around the block, but around the world, because this is what we believe. Here's the reason why we voluntarily live in submission to God and whatever he says, we follow, even if it always doesn't make sense to to the world around us, what we think. Why would you do that? Because here's what we believe. Jesus is above all. Because it's all by him, for him, and he holds it all together. And so when you, and you're here, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and you say, why do these crazy Christians act like this? Because here's the belief that we hold. That Jesus is over all of it. And we put our faith and our trust in him. He answers the big questions of our life. And so he's first in priority in our lives. I don't know what answer you have looked to in your life to those big questions. I don't know what it is that you've put in your life in first place. But whatever it is, it needs to be able to answer these big questions in life if it's going to be in first place. If it's in first place, you're giving your life to it. And from my perspective, nothing worth your life except for the God who made you, created you, and loves you. Your life is too valuable to give it to anyone or anything less than that. So I want us to take a moment. We're going to close in prayer and respond to God's word. And if you're here this morning... And there's anything else in first place in your life? And I believe the Holy Spirit has already been working in your life even before you came in this room. And maybe you know that today is the day that you need to make sure God is first in your life because whatever you've been putting your trust in, whatever you've been putting your faith in is not, can't answer those questions, can't handle the weight of those questions. And today maybe is the day after many days you've decided, you know what, pastor, you're right. Today's the day I need to put my faith and trust in God. Today's the day that I need to recognize that God needs to be first in my life. Or maybe you've been coming to church a long time and everybody thinks you're a Christian. But today's the day you need to stop fooling yourself even though everybody else doesn't know that something else has been first in your life. Today's the day you need to get right with God and say, God, I'm tired tired of living a lie, I'm tired of living as a hypocrite, I'm tired of saying something, you're first in my life but knowing in my heart that something else is today I'm going to get right with you today I'm going to make it right and if you're a Christian in here and you follow God and there's something in your life that's before him don't leave this room today without making sure that God is first in your life because he answers those big questions because he's made it all it's all for him and it's all held together in him and when you come to him with your pain and your brokenness he's he's not only able to handle it he's the God who makes all things new he's able to recreate and give you what you need But if that's you here today and you say, I want to put God first in my life, he has not made it complicated. There's a little prayer on the back of your connect card. I'll read it for you. You don't have to turn there. Simply says, thank you, God, for loving me and for sending your son to die for my sins. I repent of my sins and receive Christ as my savior. And now, as your child, I surrender my entire life to you. that's what it's about, living for God, that my life is yours, God. All I'm doing is recognizing what has always been true. Everything I've received is a gift, and I want to live my life for the gift giver. Father, I pray for men and women and young people in this room right now. First, Lord, I want to pray for those of us who call ourselves Christians, Lord, we have put something else in our lives ahead of you. Forgive us, Lord. We've put money, comfort, possessions, positions, people. Lord, all kinds of things creep into our heart. They try and take first place. Lord, I ask, we ask your forgiveness, and we ask that you would help us to daily, make sure that you are first in our lives in every way and in every place. And I pray for those men and women this morning who have not known you, but today want to make you first in their life. May this day, as they take a step towards you, may you just be faithful to your word. You said, if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. And as they take that step to you saying, they want you to be first in their life. I pray that you would guide them on their journey and lead them as they begin to follow you. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.